Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. The men that play the game of football are superior athletes that just enjoy and have a great passion to play the game. But they also have some other great talents and skills that may not be known. Today, Joe Ziemba of When Football is Football joins us to talk about the great number 93s and some of their awesome stories coming up in a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com, your portal to positive football history. And we have our Jersey by Numbers series kicked off. Once again, we are up to Jersey number 93, and we have our good friend, Joe Ziemba, joining us. Joe Ziemba, welcome back to the Pigpen. Thank you, Darren. And boy, those who love defense will certainly enjoy this episode. We have the Sackmasters, some of the greatest defensive ends and defensive tackles of all time. Of course, we've got the unusual ones, too. We have a gentleman who got in trouble for chasing Brett Farr around and got in big trouble for that, even though that was supposed to be his job. We have another one who was the president of the Players Association for eight years. We even have a young adult author whose books were made into a Netflix series. So we're ready and raring to go for this one with the Sackmasters. Boy, you're uh keys tonight really has me on the edge of the seat. I can't wait to hear these stories. Our guess we'll start off where we always do uh, the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we have just one number, and that is John Randall uh, that is in uh, Canton, Ohio at the, the Great Museum. And I learned something earlier this uh, week, Joe. I learned, you know, because I was noticing, you know, these 90s had, you know, one or two or maybe zero uh, Hall of Famers in them. And I didn't realize that the NFL somewhat outlawed uh, numbers in the 90s for a long period of time until like 1973. And then again, in 1984, uh, with some rules changes, I didn't realize uh, that players couldn't wear the nineties. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Great job, Darren. You're always keeping us up to date. Yeah. I I guess 1984 was a big one and I don't even remember it happening, Uh, but they uh, allowed linebackers because of the advent of the three, four defense before before that, uh, linebackers were only allowed to wear numbers in the 50s, but they were running out of those numbers real quick with that 3-4 defense when teams were putting you know, 11, 12 uh, linebackers on a roster. So that was, that was my sleuthing this week. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so uh, where do you want us to begin tonight, Joe? Well, maybe with our lone Hall of Famer that I could find, who would be John Randall. Of course, uh, just an awesome defender. And fearsome looking, he had eyes that would pierce through his defender. And he wore a lot of that eye black, so it looked like war paint. 
a very fearsome defender, seven times a, a pro bowler, 14 years that he wore number 93, uh, and had a, a great reputation, even from uh, teammates and, and his own uh, defenders that would, again, excuse me, offensive players that would go against him. Uh, one of the good quotes I found was from uh, the Vikings defensive line coach who said that John Randall is the best defensive lineman in football. And another good quote was from uh, former Packers coach Mike Holmgren, who talked about him as being that John's very cruel to most quarterbacks in the league. And a lot of that came from what I just mentioned, him, him <laughs> chasing Brett Farr around. Uh, it came from a commercial the two wore. And the ad began with Randall was sewing some kind of garment, which he later revealed was the Packers Brett Farr jersey. And then subsequently would show him uh, locked in a backyard, chasing around a chicken wearing the Brett Farr jersey. <laughs> of course, that got him in trouble from the group, the uh, treatment for ethical treatment of animals that didn't think it was very funny. So he had to make some apologies for that. But uh, that's when Holmgren said, yeah. He's a guy who does, he is cruel to most quarterbacks in the league. So John Randall, I think, is going to be uh, very top of our list to make our top 10 for tonight uh, based on his performance on the field, as well as those who played against him, consider him a very, very good defender, both the tackle and end. Yeah, uh, clear cut number one. You know what a great career he had. You know most of it being with the Minnesota Vikings uh, from 1990 all the way through 2000. And I didn't remember, but uh, I, I guess he he did quite a bit with Seattle, playing uh, three seasons there in the early 2000s. He uh, did, he had, yeah. He had twenty uh, some sacks in those three years, so he was a significant player there as well. So and uh, we have sev several other defenders that maybe a will mentioned. Uh, with your permission, sir. Sure, most definitely. One was considered undersized, uh, Dwight Feeney, only, only 6'1", which is a good-sized gentleman, especially when you weigh about 270 pounds and you've got some quickness. Played 16 years in the NFL, uh, mostly with Indiana. Uh, 14 of those, he wore the number that we're talking about tonight, 93. Seven times went to the Pro Bowl, won a Super Bowl, and he was named to the uh, the all 2000s uh, team, all decade team by the Hall of Fame. He developed a great spin move for his size and led the NFL in sacks in 2004 with 16, ended his career with 125.5 career sacks. So he was quick. He was shorter, still muscular. Uh, he was one of the fastest 40-yard times ever run uh, at his pro day, I guess. Uh, 4.40 for a defensive lineman. But he often talked about his height or lack of it. And he said he used it to his advantage instead of a disadvantage. And, and uh, Freeney said that if you want to have good leverage, you want to be low coming off the ball. So being a little shorter helps me to do that. The game is all about leverage. The height thing is overrated. So Dwight Freeney, six foot one. And I'm going to put him on our list for tonight too, Darren based on those seven trips to the Pro Bowl that he made. And uh, as we mentioned, led the league in sacks back in, in 2004 was 16. 
Yeah, definitely a great player. You know, it's funny, though, that he was considered too small because he's almost the exact height and weight that John Randall was. I mean, John Randall oh, started that's right. yes. a decade earlier, but they were within two pounds of each other, both at six foot one. So it's, uh, it's funny that they say that. But yeah, Feeney, I didn't realize I knew that he was uh, fast, but I didn't realize that Dwight Feeney ran a 4.4 at the combine. That's, that's really quick. Very, very quick. Yeah, one of the all-time best for defensive linemen. Okay. Uh, I, I definitely agree putting him on our list too. Uh, which uh, direction would you like to go to next? Well, maybe we'll, we'll keep with some of the defenders, which I think is going to dominate us tonight. And next we have the man everyone loved to hate, unless he was on your team. I know uh, someone in Chicago when he played for Detroit that, uh, and Dominic Kinsu was the chief and a very, very tough defensive tackle, 6'4", 313 pounds. Uh, the last seven years that he's played, he's wore number 93, won a Super Bowl, five times he went to the Pro Bowl, uh, 2010 Rookie of the Year on defense, and in 2015 was the highest paid defensive player in history. But as we said, teams love to hate him. He had a couple of problems Stomping on a ball player on the other team, perhaps, was one of them. Uh, but you love him if he's your teammate. Uh, he was the first Lions rookie to start a Pro Bowl uh, since Barry Sanders. And I know uh, our friend, Mr. Chapman, who's a Lions friend on the Sports History Network, probably knows that. And he did have some challenges that people say were with his composure. Although uh, Kyle Vandenbush, one of his teammates, who we're going to talk about in a little bit, said, to kind of defending him when they played with each other. He said any personal fouls he's had in the past were in the context of a play. He's never done anything outside of the lines in practice. He's a guy that sits next to me in meetings every day, and he's calm, cool, and collected. I've never seen him lose his cool in practice. So Mr. Sue, a tough player, 65 and a half sacks and still going, and 202 quarterback hits in his in his playing career. So uh, quite a player, as long as he's on your team. And he got the whole, him for our top 10 list tonight. Yeah, he great player. And he got to hold up the Lombardi Trophy last year, too, with the yeah. Tampa Bay. So he's still going strong with uh, the, the old guys club down in Florida that's uh, still playing good football. So I heard they've got a couple of guys, even somebody over 40 on that team, but that could be a rumor. Yeah, I think it's an ugly rumor. I can't believe that. That would never happen, right? Right. So so what do we want to do with Mr. Sue? Put him on our list? or you Yeah, want to I put him on the list. I, as I agree. much as you hate to say it, he destroyed the Chicago Bears when he was with the Lions, and he's still a force. So, but yes, reluctantly, we must recognize his ongoing talent. I agree, uh, but maybe if you had played in the AFC North or AFC Central at all, I wouldn't agree, but he didn't. So <laughs> you can stay in the NFC. <laughs> Good one. And uh, another defensive end, he also played linebacker, defensive tackle, and nose tackle is Greg Townsend. Uh, member of the Raiders for his entire career, I believe. Played here for Philadelphia, uh, but... He was in the league uh, 15 years and wore that number 93 proudly every year, twice made a Pro Bowl, one-time Super Bowl champion, had 109 and a half sacks in his career, which is still 23rd on the all-time list, and even returned three fumbles for touchdowns. But he's also now an author. He wrote his memoir called All Times, 
I think we should give him consideration for our top 10 list tonight based on the long time he played in the league and what a force he was on defense for uh, primarily with the Raiders during his career. I remember him too. He, he was a great player. And yeah, I think uh, we should probably be talking about him near the end here. We'll, we'll put some marks to, to make sure we call him his name up again here when we go into our deliberations. Uh, so in, who would you like to discuss next, Joe? Let's talk about a taller defensive end, not a six, one guy, but a six, eight, 300 pound defensive end. Kali Campbell, 14 years in the league, all wearing number 93, six times pro bowler. Uh, the Hall of Fame named them named him to the 2010 All-Decade team. And in 2019 or 17, I believe, he won the Walter Payton Award. So uh, he's, he's done some great things in terms of, especially with the Jaguars, setting records for sacks. He holds a team record for 14 and a half sacks for the year and also for four and one game. Uh, he donated $1.6 million to the University of Miami for a special endowment for the football team for defensive linemen. So he's one who has given back after a marvelous career, which is still going on. And he's now with Baltimore. So I think he rates a real strong, strong support for our top 10 tonight, Mr. Campbell. Yeah. And I, th I think he even had a better, I mean, a great career with Jacksonville, but those years with Arizona, especially yeah. uh, that uh, 2008 season uh, when they made the Super Bowl. Uh, he was like the catalyst of, of that defense and a very strong player. And uh, another one, I'm, I'm kind of upset with the NFC, letting him come over to the AFC North. <laughs> on. He's, he's wreaking havoc there now. So, uh, but yeah, great player. And uh, one we want to definitely be talking about here as we get near the end. And okay. our, our list of defenders continues, Darren. Here's a guy that uh, made his name as a six foot six, 300 pound defender, but he played fullback in high school and also played saxophone in the marching band. That's an all around uh, athlete and, and student. And I'm talking about Kevin Carter. Broke in with St. Louis back in 1995, played 14 years in the league, all of them with number 93. He was 274 pounds when he ran a 4.66 on his pro day and grew into, like I said, a 305-pound defender. Ended his career with 104 and a half sacks and uh, led the NFC in 1999 with uh, 17 sacks. So, uh, again, he's won. Kevin Carter, I think, deserves to have a look at one of our top 10 tonight, which is turning into an all-defensive team. Of course, with that number, I think that's where we're going to end up with all defenders. So Kevin Carter, I guess I would support for our top 10 tonight. He did make the all-pro team um, twice, went to the Pro Bowl twice, I should say, and won a Super Bowl. So Kevin Carter. And these gentlemen, that you're, these last few, are not only large, but uh, what great resumes that they have. You know, yeah. to, to be playing, you know, defensive end and be over 300 pounds and be that tall. And you, you, know, you have to have a little bit of quick on that to, to hold that edge. And these guys are just doing outstanding jobs of it during their careers. And uh, you know, hats off to them for being such great athletes. Well, another, another larger man was Kevin Williams, played uh, most of his career at the Vikings and finished with Seattle and New Orleans 13 years. In 12 years, he wore number 93. Six-time Pro Bowler, five times All-Pro, named to the Hall of Fame's All-2000s decade team. 
And he was, uh, Minnesota always seems uh, to come up with great defensive ends, but he was only one of three uh, to start a, a rookies to start a defensive end for the Vikings. And he ended his career with 63 sacks. And, and based on that multitude of Pro Bowl years, I would like to nominate Kevin Williams to be on our top 10 list tonight. Yeah, I think he's definitely a, a natural pick to go in our, as our fourth pick that we're selecting here to be on there. Yeah, great, great player. Another didn't they they had uh, another Williams on the team at the same time, and they were really a, a force to be reckoned with on that uh, Vikings line, weren't they? Absolutely, yes. They, they weren't related, but I know they were both named Williams. It's uh, mm-hmm. tremendous players. Then we have a, a, a defender played nose tackle. Nose tackle, they don't get the, the applause for the sacks or for the running down the quarterback when he's uh, hopelessly blocked by two or three guys. But Jerry Ball, uh, mostly most of his career, he started out with Detroit, played 13 years, or number 93 for 11 of those years. Here's a guy who was often double teamed at 6'1 and 330 pounds. He plotted, clogged the middle up. He was known as a run stuffer. He was hard to get around. So he didn't have a whole lot of sacks, but he, he played alongside John Randall, who we mentioned earlier uh, when he moved to Minnesota. So that would have been a, a tough dif- defense. And Jerry Ball was kind of a humorous guy. He once scored a touchdown, picking up a fumble running it for about 20 yards. And I found this quote from him that I thought was kind of cute where he described his touchdown run. So bear with me. He did a play-by-play of his own score. (laughs) He said, okay, here comes ball. He sees the fumble ball goes over and scoops it up. Now ball begins to rumble. He sees rich Gannon coming over. He says, "Uh uh-uh, don't try to touch me. Gannon dies, but ball leaps up. Higher than the Empire State Building, over the top, touchdown ball. Thank you, ball. <laughs> I love players with personality. So Jerry Ball, thirteen years in the league, and three Pro Bowls, one-time All-Pro, could be on our list tonight, Darren. He could be. Now, when you're three hundred and thirty pounds and only six foot one, and you score a touchdown in the National Football League, you're gonna embellish every part of that story you possibly can. And I don't blame Jerry. That's a, that's a great story and a great memory to have. And, you know, and you talk about, you know, that, that was sort of the job of that nose tackle in, in that era. You know, they wanted to eat blocks up. They wanted their backers to flow through, especially the three, four is the whole premise. Let those two middle linebackers, you know, swing through some holes by, you know, eating up a, a center and a guard with a block. And uh, he, he was one of the best that did it. So you know, great job by Jerry ball. It's fun when you, when I mentioned having some personality and what a thrill for a lineman to, to score in the National Football League. <laughs> he is probably one of the largest men that's ever scored a touchdown, I would imagine, yeah. in the NFL. That's, that's a big and the dude. The fact uh, that he leaped over the Empire State Building to get in the end zone was pretty impressive. <laughs> <laughs> a guy that size, maybe he dragged the building over just to make it interesting. Uh, that could be. Could be. <laughs> We have another player I like who, another defensive end, 6'6", 310, who didn't make an all-pro, but for our purposes, he wore number 93 for 15 years. That's Philip Daniels, broke in with Seattle, played some time with Chicago, Washington. Uh, As I mentioned, he started for three teams and had 62 career sacks. 
and I believe over 500 tackles during his career. Of course, it's hard to read my writing. He's now the assistant coach, or was the assistant coach with the Eagles when they won the Super Bowl. And Mike Holmgren, again, had a good quote about him, about Philip Daniels. He said, he's a strong man, very good versus the run. And if you concentrate too much on that, he can pass, pass rush as well. So when you play against him, you're working all day, all day long. So Philip Daniels, yeah, never made it all pro, but wow, 15 years in the league. I'm impressed. Yeah, especially uh, playing a defensive line, that's no easy chore. You got somebody hitting you every single play. And think about that. There's only you know 10 guys on the field that can really say that, that they, they get hit every single play. And that's those uh, interior linemen on both sides of the ball. So great, great job getting 15 years out of that. It is amazing how long some of these uh, guys played. Keith Willis was another one, 12 years, started with a team called Pittsburgh. You may have heard, I've heard of, of that them. team, Darren. Yeah. I've heard of them before. <laughs> but at 6'1 and 260, he still was um, – he was two times in the top 10 for sacks. In 83, he had 14. In 86, he had 12 and ended up with 59. He's currently the defensive line coach for Tennessee. So you may have more to add about Mr. Wills. Yeah, he was a part of a, a sort of a rebuilding defense. So he came in in 1982, and that was about the time, you know, Jack Lambert got his turf toe and he had to go in retirement. You know, Ham had been gone. Uh, you know, Elsie Greenwood and Minjo Green had, had left. So he was sort of that resurgence of uh, the, the Pittsburgh defense, that, that star that they were really looking for. And uh, he really lived up to the billing, too. He didn't have a, a great uh, supporting cast at the beginning of his career. But towards the end there, they were starting to build something uh, special there at the end of the 1980s, uh, early 1990s, uh, when Bill Cowher became the head coach and uh, got a lot more help on defense. And his numbers uh, somewhat uh, they, they pretty stayed pretty steady, but they declined a little bit because he had so much other help around him that uh, could get in on the quarterback. But uh, he was definitely the centerpiece of defense while he was there. Yeah, 12 years in the league. So uh, very impressive. Okay, where do we want to go next? To, to well, a couple more defenders, surprisingly. The best nickname, which is the longest one I've found in a long time, was a player – Spent 15 years in the league, all with number 93. And he liked to be called the man who would be king. And I'm talking about Trace Armstrong. Broken with the Bears. That's how I remember him. Played with Miami and Oakland. He had 106 sacks during those 15 years. Named to the all-rookie team. And his teammates awarded him with the Brian Piccolo Award when he's with the Bears, which is a, a very nice honor uh, for an all-round, not only as a player, but as a person. And as we mentioned at the start of the, the program tonight, he was president of the National Football League Players Association for eight years. He's now a sports agent with a lot of very visible clients. Ended his career with 106 sacks uh, throughout those 15 years wearing number 93. And didn't have a lot of uh, all pro honors. He made one pro bowl, but certainly was an influence every team he played with. Yeah, I, I wonder if uh, he's now a sports agent. I wonder if he represented himself when he was was a player. Maybe that's oh, good where he question. He may uh, have. Yeah. So there's, I know there's a few of them that do that. So if they're smart, they save a lot of money that way. That's for sure. <laughs> they do a good percentage. 
especially when you're that size, doing the negotiating yourself might not, not be a bad idea. You know, 275 yeah, you might pounder. tend to intimidate whoever's on the other side of the table. <laughs> very true. Very true. All right. We will uh, take a look at him again uh, later on here. And uh, who do we have next, Joe? Next, uh, we mentioned him earlier, Kylan Vandenbosch. And defensive end from Nebraska, three-time pro bowler. He was a fullback in high school, but ended up his NFL career with 58 sacks. Long, long 12 years in the league, all wearing number 93. And he came back from two ACLs. I mean, one on each knee. He may have had more surgeries, but I'm always impressed when I see where someone can come back from that and uh, be a force on the team. Uh, a lot of years at defensive end. Had a, a good number of, uh, of sacks, 58 sacks. He's uh, had a good quote um, as a defensive lineman, and uh, Jim Washburn, one of the coaches, uh, said about him, he was the Titans de- defensive lineman coach, said he's a whole lot more than a try-hard guy, Washburn said, and this is after uh, Bosch came back from the knee injuries. He's quick and he can run. He's good with his hands. He's a lot more than advertised, so... Uh, so happy when I see a guy that can come back from serious injuries. He's now a, a current color commentator for the Cardinals. But, uh, as I said, many years in the league, all wearing 12 years, all wearing number 93. So we may want to consider him for our top 10. Yeah, he he really is an amazing story. I mean, because I, I believe, uh, according to the pro football reference, he only played one game in the two seasons of 2003, 2004, because of those double knee injuries, I think they were back-to-back yeah. years, like you said, but he came back and he left the Cardinals. And I think maybe they said, Hey, you know, this poor guy's had enough, but, but he didn't, he came back with the Tennessee Titans in 2005 and had 12 and a half sacks after oh. you know double knee surgery. That, that is tremendous to come back and have a, a season like that after, uh, you know, especially with a new team, uh, just uh, some great willpower there and uh, great healing power as well. So yeah, Kyle mm-hmm. Vandenbosch is uh, definitely one we want to take a look at later here. Yeah, a couple more, again, surprise defenders that uh, might want to mention. Trevor Price played 14 years, nine of them with number 93, was named to the Broncos 50th anniversary team. Four-time Pro Bowler, won two Super Bowls. But he's the author I mentioned. He wrote a young adult series after he retired in 2010 called Kulipari, An Army of Frogs. And in 2016, Netflix made a series out of that. So he's a guy who really had a nice career, but now has found success doing something else, writing young adult fiction. Yeah, it's hard to picture a man of that athletic, six foot five, 290 pounds, sitting down at a typewriter and uh, <laughs> having such success. But uh, can't can't stereotype. You know, you have these big guys have some great talents uh, off the football field too. And uh, you know, hats off to him on that. You know, great job finding a second career. And just like to recognize maybe two others here. Um, that don't have the old pro honors, but as I've mentioned in the past, I'm always impressed by anybody who can spend several years in the big leagues. One was Luis Castillo, played uh, with San Diego for his seven-year career, wearing number 93, a defensive end. I guess I pushed him up there because he's from Chicago's Big Ten team, Northwestern. <laughs> he uh, ended his career with 19 sacks. And another individual, Wayne Martin, made a pro bowl. 
Played 11 years, all with number 93, defensive end out of Arkansas. And uh, his entire career, those 11 years with 82 and a half sacks, were spent with New Orleans. So a couple more to consider for our our list here today for our top 10. Okay. Yeah, great job on that. Um, I I have one that maybe we ought to talk about here, too. He wore the jersey for uh, seven seasons, Richard Seymour. Uh, you know, just a, tr- a tremendous career. You know, he part of his career, he he wore the jersey uh, 92. Uh, we talked about him in the last episode, but the majority of his career was wearing at 93 for the New England Patriots. And, you know, all in all in his career, you know, seven Pro Bowls, three All-Pros, three-time Super Bowl champion, all 2000s decade team. Uh, you know, definitely somebody that's uh, worth mentioning, I think, uh, with these jersey number 93s. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, did, did you have some more players also? No, I think that would be about it. Uh, tried to. It was so a lot of fun looking into uh, defenders to see how extraordinary they were and all that it takes to going in to be a, a great defensive player that uh, the folks we talked about had possessed that ability and some overcame height restrictions, maybe weight, overcame injuries, uh, to prevail on the football field. So a very impressive group. Yeah, the, did, did we talk about Gerald McCoy? Cause I, th- I think, I don't, I don't think, think we, we did. No, no, but cause he's another one. Maybe we ought to look at six yeah, pro bowls yeah. to his name and all pro, you know, defensive tackle. Uh, I remember him uh, playing quite a bit, you know, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2010 through 2018 uh, and had a, a cup of coffee with Carolina and uh, also one with the Raiders. He, he's with the Raiders this year. Uh, so he's still playing and uh, has 59 and a half sacks to his credit, but another big body in the, the center of a, a line uh, the, everywhere he's played. You know, six Pro Bowls is nothing to, to shake a stick at here. So oh, I think man, he's, another yes. one, he's another one that we probably ought to keep an eye on here. Yes. So Okay, so I think we might be ready to uh, go into some deliberations here and try to figure out uh, who we want to put on our top ten. And just to review, we've already put four uh, men on we've agreed to. Uh, John Randall, our, our sole Hall of Famer. Uh, Dwight Freeney, who probably will be a Hall of Famer real soon. Uh, Nadamakan Sue and Kevin Williams are who we have on there so far, Joe. Uh, yes. Do you know the list of uh, who we said we wanted to talk about again also? Yeah, I think those – I like Gerald McCoy, and thanks for bringing him up. Uh, oh, yeah, no, no problem. Pro Bowl six times. Right. Okay. So we, the so ones that we have not decided on yet, we want to come back to it. Calais Campbell, uh, Kevin Carter, uh, Richard Seymour, Gerald McCoy, uh, Trace Armstrong, Greg Townsend, Trevor Price, Jerry Ball, Kyle Van Bosch, and I think, uh, and Keith Willis oh, are the okay. ones that we said so we need to choose uh, six of them to fulfill our uh, obligation of our top 10 here. And I am, uh, I think I'm going to, to vote uh, Gerald McCoy as being maybe our fifth player. Yes. Those numbers. Okay. So there's five. McCoy is good. And I, I, I like Kevin Carter as well. Oh, right. Yes. Okay. So there's our sixth. Uh, who do you have in about, mind? Here? Uh, Trevor Price, four-time Pro Bowler. Yeah, I think he's a good one. So he is our seventh. And, uh, well, Seymour's got that 
those Pro Bowls too. Yes, eight seasons. So we better get him on there too. So he's our eight. I like that. And uh, so so we got uh, Vanden Bosch, Ball, Townsend, Willis, uh, Calais Campbell. Well, Campbell, six-time Pro Bowl. I think we got to include him. Yeah, I agree. So there's our ninth. And so probably for going off the uh, the Pro Bowl list, I think probably is Vandenbosch the, the next one that has. He has three to his name. Yes. So prob- probably going to be uh, Vandenbosch then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That wow. Good. Yeah, that was some uh, good work there. So it was tougher that. than I thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. You got these big guys, and they're, they're some of their stat lines and uh, their Pro Bowls that they've made are also similar. It's that really makes some hard choices, but they're all just such great athletes for being such large people, and uh, you know, tremendous to watch guys like that when they can move around and make things happen. And uh, so, yeah, a good group, uh, a nice list of ten. I think it's a very worthy top ten. Most definitely, most definitely. So uh, we, we talked a little bit, you were just on recently. So we talked about what you have coming up uh, when uh, football was football, some upcoming episodes, and we're excited about that. Uh, is there anything, can you could drop us a few teases on your, your book that you're, you're wrapping up maybe that we can look forward to? Yeah, the about, book maybe? Uh, is, is, is wrapping up. It's now in the publisher's hands. And it talks about the forgotten history of the NFL's oldest rivalry, the Bears and the Cardinals. And what's kind of fun was we tried to not rehash all the stories that might be well known, but to go behind the scenes a little bit to see if maybe, maybe some of the stories that have been passed down through the years are not accurate. So that was a, a great fun part of it. Maybe why it took so long to uh, to put it to get it to put it together. So thank you for asking us. Yeah. What what's the most fun part of doing the research on? Is it doing you know interviewing you know maybe former players or family members, or is it you know digging through those old newspaper articles or going to the library? What, what what's your favorite part of the research? Oh, great question. The favorite part would be when I read about something that's in stone and then research and find out, no, it's not. Maybe something that's been publicized year after year for the last 80 years and you find out it's incorrect and you go, whoa, this is wonderful. And there's no one to tell it to. So when the, when the book comes out, there's a whole lot of stories like that. But I enjoy that. It's not that you look for it. But sometimes you you find some information, you scratch your head and say, wait, this, this is not what I've, I've read. It's contrary to what's been published. So that's always a lot of fun. And one of the sad parts is sometimes you interview relatives of players uh, that may not have the right information or may have heard something happen throughout history. And unfortunately, the player did not accomplish that in 1935 or something. So that's always tough. So you just... Um, have to go with the, with the truth and say, well, well, around the NFL, you can't get any worse than that. That's wonderful. I mean, any better, I should say. Right, right, yeah. So even a, a bad story is a, is a great day for somebody mm-hmm. that's made made the NFL yeah. in their career. 
So yeah, we, we appreciate you preserving that football history and, and keeping us on our toes and uh, bringing us the facts, uh, especially with uh, the teams from Chicago. And we're really excited about this book and I uh, can't wait to uh, so give us some news of when that's going to be released so we can all start, uh, you know, going to Amazon and Barnes and Noble and every other bookstore and, you know, hit, hitting their shelves and uh, have them come flying off into our, our uh, reading library at home. So very excited about that. So thank, thank you. you. We appreciate that, Darren. Thank you. Well, Joe, I appreciate your time again. I, I know I've kept you busy here the last couple of weeks. You just got done uh, with your book and you know, then you got some knucklehead uh, calling you and saying, Hey, <laughs> Joe, can you help me out here? So I really appreciate that on these short notices and uh, you know, everything you've done uh, through this uh, great series that we've had, you've been on quite a few of our, our Jersey numbers and we're winding down here in the next couple of weeks. And I believe this is the last episode we have you on for. And, uh, but just thank you so much for everything you brought to this series. It's been a real popular series and, been a lot of fun uh, and you've been one of the people that's made it that, that way. Oh, thank you. And it's just wonderful uh, to see the response to the series. The numbers are extraordinary of people who are interested in this type of football history. So that always makes me feel good. And uh, thank you again for allowing me to be part of this uh, great program that you've put together, Darren. Uh, it's uh, it's the players that do it all. And then the historians and experts like you that, uh, you know, have us remember it. So you guys perform all the magic. It's uh, you make my job real easy. And uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to listen to all of you. You tell me us about these stories and these great players and remember them. And a lot of people have uh, wrote in and said how they, you know, oh, yeah, I remember that guy from, you know, the late 1960s. I remember this guy. I remember that play you talked about. So it's just great bringing, starting up nostalgic memories uh, from somebody's uh, younger years and uh, that they make them feel good about football. That's what it's all about, right? Absolutely. All right, Joe, I'll, I won't take up any more of your time. I appreciate you. And uh, thank you very much. Thank you, Darren. Good luck with the rest of the series. Hey, are you ready for some football? Some fantasy football? How about some daily fantasy football? Silly questions, right? Of course you are. You're ready to talk some smack and win some cash every Sunday, and Thursday, and Monday, and whenever there's football games. The Sports History Network invites you to play your daily fantasy football this season at thrivefantasy.com. Thrive Fantasy offers hundreds of thousands, millions in cash every day on NBA, MLB, PGA Golf, Cricket, Esports, and of course, NFL Football. Every week during the 2021 NFL season, Thrive Fantasy has pool play contests and heads-up matches with prizes of all sizes, and even free play contests for real money. Sign up with Thrive Fantasy today to get a 100% match bonus on your first deposit for up to $100 in free daily fantasy football play. Visit sportshistorynetwork.com slash thrive, that's T-H-R-I-V-E, or enter promo code S-H-N when depositing at the cashier. Join Thrive Fantasy today, earn cash prizes, and support great shows like this at the Sports History Network. Now that's a win-win-win situation for you to kick off your own NFL season. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. 
we invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Each week, the official Football Learning Academy podcast will take you deep into the history of pro football through interviews with players, coaches, or administrators in the NFL, as well as interviews with Pro Football Hall of Fame selectors, authors, and historians You'll learn how the game evolved and important moments that shaped the sport into what it is today. And don't miss the Pro Football History Nugget of the Week. Listen to the official Football Learning Academy podcast on the Sports History Network. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.